Welcome to the Profitable Farmer Podcast, where we share stories and tips to help you run a better farming business and create your very own freedom farm. If you're looking to work smarter and not harder in your farm business, welcome, you're in the right place. G'day everyone, welcome again to Profitable Farmer. I hope the season is starting to play out for you. Um, we've had rain here and so um, I won't be complaining about the weather at this end. All the best and um, let's get into this season. In this podcast, again, I'm excited. I seem to always be excited going into these podcast interviews. Um, we were lucky enough to have Kate Lant from Safe Ag Systems speak to our members recently and um, share a little bit about the SafeAg story, but more about the importance of safety on farm and how their incredible platform supports thousands of farming families across Australia to make sure that they're doing the right thing by their, their team, um, their contractors, and, and how we go about this important topic of on-farm safety. Um, let's touch on that a little bit, Kate, but what I'm most interested to do is to hear a heap about the backstory to SafeAg. It is such an interesting story, a family business in its own right. I think started about six years ago. Um, now a team of over 25 um, offering an incredible service to farm farmers and farming families around the world. Katie, great to have you with us. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Jeremy. I'm excited to have a chat with you. And that I was an awesome intro. <laughs> I hope that intro did you and SafeAg justice in some small way. It was perfect. Perfect. Nice to Katie, be here. Yeah, absolutely. And Katie, um, it is an amazing story. I mean, I think what I love doing in this podcast series is sharing great Aussie entrepreneur stories in agriculture and, and SafeAg systems. It is one of them. Um, would you mind just sort of speaking to your background first mm -hmm. and then what inspired this idea and, and how SafeAg came, came to be. I understand your parents are entrepreneurs and very much part of this project and its inception. What is the SafeAg backstory? <laughs> yes, they are. Um, you talk about it uh, very glamorously. I think once you've been in the thick of it for a while, the um, the shine is, is dulling but... Uh, um, the the mission is still there and um, it's super exciting to be able to get this far within a business. Um, when it did start, um, I mentioned um, uh, my mum was a serial entrepreneur. She's from York Peninsula in South Australia. Um, farmer's wife, she'd hate me saying that, um, never wanted to take a job, always wanted to build a business um, and started a training provider for agriculture um, during that time, she really saw uh, the need for educating farmers on uh, safety and compliance. Um, lots of tools out there already that could support them, but nothing fit for purpose. I think when you look at um, another solution, it's it's for someone who works in like a large mining company or um, in a bank, ANZ Bank, and they don't take into consideration that the person doing the high-risk task is the same person that's um, doing all of the jobs on the farm. So dad could walk out of the um, back door and he's working with 
like in heights, working with chemicals and heavy machinery all within the hour. Um, and to have a solution from um, other industries would just pile, pile a massive amount of paperwork on top of them. So she took an approach of um, how do we integrate safety into the, the productivity side or the everyday tasks um, of, the, of the farmer um, and scribbled it out on paper. At that time, I was being a mum, mum of three, um, and my background previously was uh, product design and marketing. So I designed products to be fit for markets. Um, and she asked me to come over for a drink and <laughs> over a glass of gin, she um, put forward her concept and it sounded exciting. So I said yes and jumped in. Um, that was, yeah, that was sort of the beginning, um, cu coupled also with the fact that we'd had our own fair share of on-farm incidents. Um, so she saw the fear there of um, what it would happen if we didn't take steps to um, safeguard ourselves we were employing people at the same time so it was definitely um, a driver from Caroline mum and yeah I took it on. Would you mind just giving us a bit of background on your family's farm as well I think your brother yeah. still runs the farm and yeah and just so that people have that that background as well. Absolutely so grain farmers on York Peninsula in Arthurton um, small little town there. Uh, Dad and my brother still work the farm. Um, handed down, I think we're five generations or six generations in uh, to that land. Um, yeah, wheat, um, hay, lentils. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's a good it's a good place to grow up. I I did run at, at seventeen <laughs> to the big smoke to see what else was out there, but I think the land and the industry draws you back in. Um, I feel very, um, uh, very good about being able to support an industry that I grew up from. Absolutely. How do you reflect on the first 12 to 18 months in the business back in 2017? <laughs> we'll, get to, we'll, get to, we'll get to where it's arrived to, but, but yeah. what was it like when it was you know, truly in startup mode? So there's a term MVP and it's not most valuable player. Um, in the startup world, it's minimum viable product. So the idea is to get a product out into market that can be tested very quickly. Fortunately, we were able to sort of lean on that student base with the first iteration. Um, I was like way over my head, way over my head when it comes to designing tech. Um, it wasn't until we got that first concept out and listen to those farmers saying that nah, this is shit, this is not going to work or it's um, it's too uh, mundane. If we hadn't have had that in the early days, the iterations and the product, it wouldn't be what it is today. Um, we had, so we'd go to work and I would have two developers, two female developers in rural Australia, I love it, um, and we would have post-it notes on one side of the wall and a done side on the other and we'd just be doing the jobs and moving the post-it notes over until we had a product that we could we could um, show and demonstrate. Um, there were lots of touch and go points, <laughs> whether this was actually going to take off. Um, and I feel like we were very early. Um, when it comes to business growth, timing is a big factor and the market was definitely not ready, even though the legislation had changed. Um, 
farmers were not ready to take on this um, compliance or this level of compliance. So it was bumpy. So were you in that space where you were having to try and educate the market and create the problem as well as provide the solution? Yep, absolutely. So in the early days, we, oh, mum and dad got on the road and I think they did 40 workshops in one year. Uh, They drove all around Australia um, being hosted by insurance agents or community clubs or front bars of hotels um, just to explain the legislation change because there was this short window of grace period um, before, um, I suppose, penalties could be implied. Um, And even after that, people had no idea that they fell under that category, Um, same as the ANZ Bank, same as the dentist down the road. Um, The farmers had the mentality that they had a farm, not a business. Um, And I I get that's what you guys are trying to change as well. Um, But the, the law still applied to them. So explaining that but not just stopping there saying this is the solution we would like to to offer you um and it probably wasn't until sort of 2018 19 um that we got people to begin to come to us um looking for a solution so you have the sort of education and then the early adopters thing to pop up and now we're in a in a stage now where early adopters are in um, and the mainstream is is starting to do the uptake. Um, and we're not just talking the little, little um, farms or mum and dad size farms. We're talking about the large players hadn't even had anything in place. Katie, how much have you seen change in the safety conversation in industry over that time frame? What it's been seven years. How yeah. much more advanced, sophisticated? focused on this, are we as farmers than we were um, back when SafeAg started? It's been a huge change. So it's it's kind of following the same trend, which I think is the mission from the Farm Owners Academy. It's, it's taking that, I suppose, professional approach from farm to business. If you see the value, it's going to return to you, then steps are, are, taking, are being taken. Um, I think also the technology shift, the COVID epidemic, everything else has played a part in in um, making people think differently around safety. Generational change is absolutely um, a factor as well. You've got this group of uh, young agricultural focused people in Australia that have been guided to go off farm, get educated possibly take some work in mining and then come back to the farm. So they have it ingrained in them that they need to operate at a certain level. Um, They want to obviously bring something into the business as well. I don't know, everyone has those succession plan sort of push and shoves, (laughs) but the younger people can bring in um, what they've learnt as a value add to that family business. So um, you see the shift in safety come from, I think, a younger generation um, and also an, an, another big factor that plays into that is um, the the females within the business as well. I feel like we have a little bit more, um, oh, whether it's genetic um, disposition to fear and, and operating safely, um, 
So when we first approached and did that road tour, we noticed that the females saw it something that they can contribute um, and and not only to tell their partners or their sons or their employees what to do, it was almost be able to identify what risks are around the farm and take action without needing approval or money to do so. They could they could make that good influence. Katie, you mentioned minimum viable products. Um, how many iterations, improvements, refinements have you put out to the market since you started way back when? Uh, Jeremy, I wouldn't even be able to give you that number. It's been hundreds. Um, there's two reasons you release. It's obviously a big improvement that the clients do see, but behind the scenes you can update on a daily basis. Um, the the product that we released at the beginning in comparison to what the product is now is massively different. Um, huge amount of feedback from our client base um, comes in daily. Uh, we embrace it. Um, if we can make the product better, obviously there's a, um, a benefit for us, then the client sticks around and um, we've got a viable business and, and we're adding value to their business. Um, in the beginning, it was very much compliance heavy. So you must have policies in place. You must have this checklist. You hear all the templates, um, um, check them off, sign them, make them available to your employees. But now... The product is very efficiency-focused, so we take those tasks that are usually quite clunky when it comes to the paperwork shuffle or the, the day-to-days, um, such as machinery maintenance, and we turn them into something that's quite efficient and automated but also um, compliance-related um, and capturing all those logs and all those, um, those comments that are made, um, make sure the communication between the team is 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 spot on when it comes to, say, a machine not being fit for, fit for um, use. So, yeah, if I say the difference, it would be the usability, a real focus on the app being intuitive to understand um, what the user's trying to get out of it. Um, we're about to launch our, our new interface for the mobile app um, later this year, so that'll be a, um, a really big, exciting improvement. And it's all focused on not the business owner but the worker using the app and what value they need to get from it um, to be more efficient as a worker in their team. Thanks, Katie. So for someone who hasn't heard of SafeAg Systems, can you mm-hmm. just tell us about what it is that you offer? Yeah, so SafeAg Systems is a, a, a software as a service company and and we offer a a desktop platform and a mobile app um, to manage your safety and compliance uh, within your business. So if you think of like an agricultural business tech stack, like the word tech stack is very much used in in this industry with with software, but the tech stack for any company can be made up of pieces of technology that you use to improve your business. So the agribusiness would have their financial piece of software, usually a zero or, or something like that. It would have their production um, piece of software, which manages yields and inputs and outputs, like what you grow. Um, the other quadrant is almost like a um, an IoT and sensor, so that data collection um, component where it, where it tells you the weather and your water levels and your irrigation um IoT and where we sit is in the operational side. So we're operational software. You manage your people, your governance, your compliance, 
um, the day-to-day needs to run through. If anything you need to capture a record for, it goes through our system so it can be audited or given in evidence if, if it's needed. Um, the software has to integrate into the day-to-day, so it has to have functions and, and features that you use day-to-day. So if I was to walk through a day in the life of SAS, it would be um, John, your workman, rolls up onto farm, he sets himself at work. So you've got notification that there's someone on site and he's there and he's happy and healthy, hopefully. He can do a fit-for-work um, form that day. He can um, look at his to-do list to understand what piece of machinery there needs to be some maintenance on or what his jobs are for that day. If any of those jobs are high risk, um, in there you've attached a, a safe work procedure or you've given him a heads up. Uh, we've got contractors arriving today. They're going to be working in X location. Please be wary. Um, he goes to use a piece of machinery for a job that you wouldn't even think he would be using um, but you haven't communicated to him that's been tagged out for any reason. But on the app, he would go and open it and it would give him all that information. Don't use it. That of Regil hasn't been tested and tagged. Um, he would then use the system to identify from his own capacity what he feels is lacking in, say, the workshop or if something's unsafe or we've run out of, I've used all the stuff in the first aid kit or um Hopefully not, but he can alert everyone in the team that there's an emergency, whether it's a fire or a first aid emergency, and that will send a notification to everyone and pinpoint his location. There's um, he can log himself off at night so you know he's left for the day. No, like no farmer drives sort of up to the office to let boss know that he's gone home if it's a forty minute drive. Like you need to communicate that they've gone home safely. So. All of that is integrated into the app. Um, the biggest value adds that I find from our clients is that machinery and inventory, like expiry of registrations, um, the ability to do an induction for a new worker, what does employment look like, all of that. So it's lo- lots of function. It's certainly the feedback we get, Katie, that mm-hmm. we have a system for our finance, we have a system to track, as you say, in paddock mm-hmm. operations. Um, yeah. But the HR piece... Um, yeah. and workflow management and equipment management and inventory yeah. management, there's not there really something for that. The thing that yeah. we hear a lot about SafeAg systems is that it's not a standalone approach to safety that you do in a static format that sits off to the side, that, that your app does allow us to better manage our people, keep our people informed, better manage our um, resources, equipment, machinery, inventory, um, chemicals, all those things, and, and make sure that we're sort of moving through the the use and the improvement of those things as well as dealing with the safety piece. Is that if a- we were just safety, we wouldn't get the uptake. We wouldn't have 1,200-plus agribusinesses on our system if we just went, here's a safety platform, because it's been done before. And safety is not static, like you said. It's got to be, it's got to be ingrained in the everyday. Yeah. So if I'm an employee on a farm, mm-hmm. I've got the app on my phone, is, is it possible for all of the communication um, between team members, family, non-family, to happen yep. within the SafeAg app in addition yep. to some of those benefits that you mentioned? I think a lot of farms have the WhatsApp and the messenger groups now. So we have a notice board. Think of it like as a like a a sounding board to 
put what your communication needs to be out there to everyone. So, yes, we definitely tick off that communication key. That's a major part of compliance when it comes to safety of communicating with your workers. You mentioned induction um, mm-hmm. and constructs like that. Does mm-hmm. SafeAg also have um, checklists, templates, forms to help farming families with things like induction, job descriptions, even performance reviews, those those sorts of things? Yeah, so I think where, where we win is that the, the think of it, the software is a platform that holds content and that content is fit for purpose for agriculture, horticulture, viticulture. So you could jump in there and find um, a safe work procedure for a pineapple picker um, or a, I don't know, something else like that. Um, if it's not in there, we've got qualified people in-house that, that write um, the documents and, and pop them into the platform for the whole of the community to have access to. Um, the inductions, um, they're all templates as well. You, like, it, people approach inductions differently. Um, some businesses like to have what they call an onboarding, so a new person comes into the business and they get trained on do's and don'ts and what everything else um, happens on the farm. But other people like to do inductions like, okay, we're going to head into seeding now. These are the risks involved. Um, we're going to look talk about fatigue and and heavy machinery, and they like to break it up into almost like training or um, bringing things top of mind. And um, the other part of inductions, which is huge, um, is the contracting side of it. The agricultural industry, when it comes to employing um, people to come and do quite high-risk work on your farm, has always been a handshake or a, yep, you'll be there tomorrow, and there's never really any formalised documents around that and that's a huge risk to a business so offering a contractor induction um, a, a scope of works document um, definitely sort of outline what responsibilities lie with what business um, so you can you feel more comfortable about that um, there is the stigma that asking a contractor to do an induction is like going to disrupt the relationship but it's going like we have shearing contractors now that will not work with anyone unless they're using safe existence. It's fantastic for us, but that's the level of um, business operations that he wants to keep is, is have that level of safety um, because he's bringing his team to your farm. Yeah, it's so interesting. So often we're working with teams that aren't employed teams and it's great to know that you've thought beyond farm teams and yeah contractors are a huge part of how we operate aren't they so absolutely and you think about construction sites and building sites they're so strong on this it's normal practice there's no doubt that this will become normal practice for farmers yeah the trick is not to make it over the top or over over complicated just keep it practical Keep it, yeah, works with your business, not a layer on top. So is SafeAg set up for all ag industries or Mm -hmm. does it have a focus? No, we're um, across, I think we've got 22 different commodities and counting now. So everything from aquaculture to, um, yeah, across all the the citrus and, yeah, everything you can think of. that said, we've, in addition to that, we've got the shearers and the transport companies that um, deliver. We've got um, even sort of sort of into 
turf companies, um, growing lawns. Um, yeah, it's kind of fit for purpose for someone that uses heavy machinery that's high risk, that doesn't sort of have walls to the business um, and is looking for that content that's written around the things that they have within their business. So, um, you know, we definitely fit a large scope, but always had people push me, and this is a, a business decision, uh, push me into offering it to other industries. Um, it's not just the product that makes a good company. Uh, it is the people and the marketing and everything else that goes along with it. So if I was to do that, I would. it would sort of widen our scope too much and, and run this team too thin. I think we do one thing and we do it really well. Like the, the market is there. It's massive. We're in the US now, New Zealand, UK, um, in Canada. Like there's no need to grow that opportunity into other industries. I'm just thinking about the questions that farmers might be asking in their minds now as they listen. Um, how complex is it to, to get this into my business and to get started? I think everybody feels like they need to do everything at once. You can't just say, I'm going to do safety now in my business. It's a gradual thing. Um, we've got a very good support team here that listens to you and how you run your business, understands the the parts of our software that will give the greatest benefit the quickest and start there um, is usually in, around the machinery side of things. So you could take a day to put all the machinery in, in your system um, and attach the appropriate um, pre-operational checklists and things like that, print out a QR code and, and stick it to all your machines and do nothing else for the whole year and you will see a behavioural change. People will get a little bit curious, want to scan the QR code, understand that they can just quickly log a, a bit of maintenance that they've done by doing voice to text on their phone and you'll start to build that safety system. Um, if you sat down and sort of went, no, I want to do it all and then roll it out um, from the nth degree for everything from inductions to policies to machinery to um, everyday tasks on the system. You could you could get a solid system up and running in a, in a week. Um, but, again, you don't want to put in that effort and then not get the uptake from the ground, uh, from the workers on the ground. So one other question, and then I'm keen to hear a bit more about the growth journey of mm -hmm. Um Is it for family farms with no employees as much as it is for those sort of small corporate farms, if you like, with major teams or large teams? So in the beginning, we started with the family farm. So uh, mum, dad, um, son, um, daughter-in-law kind of set up. Um, and we found that they would, this is really being honest, they would take out a subscription and they'd sit on it. And they'd see it as a bit of an insurance. They've got this something that's sitting there, that they've taken a step but haven't really committed to. So we worked really hard to be able to get them involved and sticky into the product. Um, this was like with our whole platform, all the features and functionality. So we thought, okay, they don't need this much. They need a, a tailored version that's fit for purpose for them. So we rolled out what we call our standard product. So everything in the standard product is what you need to be able to work towards compliance, um, have access to the documentation that's sort of the bare minimum um, that you should be doing anyway. And then the larger 
um, or the, the entirety of the product is um, got those efficiency tools that work really well on a farm with employees. So, and I don't just mean full-time employees, I mean contractors or um, seasonal workers. You don't have to have a full-time. It just You're bringing people into your space and you have the obligation to provide them a safe working environment. So that's where it fits really well. Now we've got, um, that can be from one employee or one contractor right up to 100 um, or seasonal workers when it comes to horticulture. The next level we have is because we were hit up by massive, massive agricultural companies nationwide, fully invested in companies that didn't have anything already, didn't have anything in place. And so we had to run as fast as we could to be able to have that base level subscription and then integrate a, like a management portal at the top so that we could facilitate aggregated data and everything for those huge, huge companies. So we've kind of built it out so we are covering all, which I'm very excited about. Katie, can you reflect with you more on the journey? Because you've gone from a startup business in 2017 to now employing a team of 25. I understand that you, as you said, offer your services around the world. I think you've got team members in Korea, I think you mentioned mm-hmm, South, Korea. Yeah. South Korea. So would you mind just explaining more about your team and, and where the business is now? And mm-hmm. Can just to reflect with you on on how that journey's been for you, and you know what are some of the major growth steps over that time? Yeah, absolutely. So, like I mentioned back in the beginning, I had two um, female uh, regional based developers. Um, we had a little office in um, on the farm, which they came to. Shit, internet! Oh my god, trying to build a software company with no internet. Um, so all the real world problems that um, our farmers have now building businesses in regional Australia. Um, slowly but surely got that commercial product out. People started paying for it. Um, shock, shock and awe. Um, that first payment that came through was always a, an absolute milestone moment. Um, and slowly grew the team. I think when you're um, when you're a startup founder, your role is to dive into every new thing that needs to be done in that business, understand what's needed in a resource um, for a team member, and then backfilling it um, with a new a new person. So I feel like I'm a, a jack of all trades, master of none, um, but keep sort of driving forward. Um, there were some pretty significant milestones in our growth um, when the federal and the state government decided to throw in um, half a million dollars and invest in our company. Um, I was fortunate enough to be um, nominated for Women in Innovation, so lots of um, public exposure um, obviously propelled us forward. Um, we started with partnerships with insurance agencies um, just sort of illustrating to them that our product would help them mitigate risk. Um, So they pushed us out to their client base. That was a really great um, moment in time. Um, But, yeah, slowly began to to grow the team. I think in in year, uh, what would have been three or four, obviously COVID hit. Um, For us, fortunately, that was a boost. Um, The idea of talking to a farmer in a sales capacity over Zoom as unheard of before COVID, um, you'd have to be across the kitchen table, but that was a good leg up for us. Um, it was definitely um, another growth 
point. Um, the idea of launching into other countries is super daunting, um, but it tends to happen a little bit organically because you have the same businesses over there with the same problems, like the the safety um, and injury incident numbers in the UK and the US are, are just as bad, if not worse, than what we have here in Australia. So they're looking, they're looking. Um, so that gives you another growth sort of moment. Um, we were, and you, you're always sort of on like a very lean team. <laughs> so everyone's working at huge capacity. At that at that point, my husband was not working in the in the business. We've got three children, and um, I think I turned to him one night and said, "I need help." <laughs> um, he's got a lot of operational skills, so he came in and and um, gave me that I suppose space to to think blue sky and and grow the company again. Um, it's, that's when I sort of took a recon trip to the US um, to see how that how our product would play out over there and got validation that we are viable in, in that country as well. Um, it doesn't come without its down um, moments. It's growing a business is a roller coaster. And I think farmers not well when it comes to the weather, drought, and good seasons and bad seasons. You'll get a call from um, and a partner that says they've got a contract that's going to provide like a massive opportunity for your business and then the next day the servers will go down or someone will leave the company or something and you have to in that moment um, just be very sort of um, focused on what the end goal is to try and I suppose safeguard your mind from getting so deflated. Um, I definitely have hit burnout during this process um, on the up now, um, it's a hard thing to navigate, um, but I think it's really prevalent in not only startups but in the agricultural community. We're always sitting at that stress level that's, that's super um, straining on the body. So you've got to take the highs and lows and, and just put them into perspective rather than sometimes ride them. <laughs> um, but now um, we're in a position where, we are profitable, or like we're on break-even profitable. That might sound really um, scary to some people in traditional business, but SaaS companies ride that line of profitability um, to get the growth uptick. Um, we're ready to raise our first capital, um, so go out to um, the market and see if um, someone wants to invest in the company. Um, that's always scary, bringing out side influence into a family business. Um, but I think I'm looking for perspective. I think I'm looking for someone to grow me as a professional and um, to get me to look beyond what I've been learning from mum and dad and family business. Um, so I'm ready for that next chapter. Uh, we've got, I think we're up to about 15,000 users of the system. So 15,000 farmers have our product in their hand um, and using it um, I just want to grow that. Like I want to see how big we can go. <laughs> it's pretty amazing to think that there is 15,000 people around the world, as you say, mm. with your program mm. in your in their hand and, and to think about mm. the impact that's having on how, they, how efficiently they perform as on-farm teams but also the impact that must be having on safety on-farm. Yeah. Pretty, like the industry is, is, is changing. Like the stigma around 
raising a concern is is going like that's how we need it to be if we're going to make change it's like very you know uh workshops in the beginning we would say all right raise your hand if you've been in an on-farm incident and the hands would go up and you'd pick the person that's missing a finger and without a doubt there would be someone in that room without a finger and then they would tell their story like a badge of honor like I am so tough and I've done this and like what other industry talks like that (laughs) I get it like battlefield kind of conversation this is your, your work you go to every day. I know you love it and you're passionate about it, but you don't need to lose a limb doing it. So what, what are you most proud of, Katie, about where you have arrived to with SafeAct? I think I'm proud that we listened and that we got it right. Uh, we, well, actually, I can't say we got it right. We're still in a long way to go. But the fact that we took the path of product iteration over standing still um, and saying this is our offering, buy it or not. Um, I'm proud that we stuck with it in that first couple of years. We were too early. Um, I suppose that just comes down to good old stubbornness and passion. Um, and I'm proud of my team. Let's say persistence. and Persistence. <laughs> the team that I've built around, I think, um, People are going to laugh at this, but I think country people have a bit of an instinct when it comes to um, getting a feel for someone and their work ethic and who they are as a a person. I think I've sort of tapped into that and built this amazing team that um, we have a term here called have got gas. Um, So everyone goes, what? Why does my team have gas? Um, It means they give a shit about what they do. So if you give a shit about what you do and you do it well every day, um, you kind of, as a result, get a company to a better position. And if you all do it collectively, you get there faster. So without a doubt, this team has got us to where we are. That's brilliant. I love that. When we talk yes. about having an attitude of ownership and, and bringing people in on a trial and giving them a go and to lay demonstrate yeah. attitude of ownership, but yeah. we, we might replace that with making sure that it's yeah, That's perfect. Yeah, I love it. So you've also um, stayed as a family business until now and you mentioned that you're about to go through your first capital raise, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. How, and your husband, Drew, is chief operating officer yep. and your parents are both still yep. actively part of the business at director level. How do you operate as a family? So many of our members are farming families. How do you operate within your family and how do you stay aligned and, and manage that dynamic? I'm not going to lie. It's not all rainbows and butterflies. It's um, it's hard work. Uh, Mum and dad obviously have businesses of their own, so their capacity to um, be involved in SafeX systems is quite limited. So I have had a lot of rain. Um, they, when it comes down to their commitment um, to the business, it has been um, financial assistance. Um, and that, after a while, obviously you need to you take action, obviously turn a profit and, and move on, but... I think their ability to believe that the industry is ready for a product like this um, and they know that it has value um, and they've seen its growth over time, uh, the support from them has been amazing. So 
when it comes to family business, I feel like it's um, it's great for that very first sort of growth chapter. Um, and you get to a certain level where, like I said, I was seeking something else externally to be able to push to that next level. Um, I think it would always have a family feel to the company um, and I'll make sure of that. But, um, yes, it's it's a ride, <laughs> a definite ride. <laughs> so capital raise, um, yeah. which no doubt will underpin your next stage of growth. Yes. We talk about having big, hairy, audacious goals. <laughs> you probably heard B-hags. that reference. Love a good BHAG. Um, what's possible for this business, you know, on the back of a capital raise and perhaps that outside injection of mm-hmm. and and deeper strategy and, and growth? What's what's next and what's possible? Absolutely. So um, if any of our clients are listening, they would know that they put forward a suggestion or an improvement and they know that it takes a while to get action on that. It's not because we're sort of sitting on our hands. It's because the team is is small. Um, 25 sounds like a lot, but I'm not sure people understand what uh, developing a piece of software entails. Um, I like to explain it to my kids. So if you were to say to someone, uh, make a peanut butter sandwich or a banana sandwich, <laughs> and they would take the bread out and they'd butter the bread and they'd cut the banana and they'd put it on the, on, on the bread and eat the sandwich. But as a developer, you need to tell that person to move three metres to the pantry, take the right hand out, take the piece of take the bread loaf out of the cupboard, undo the top, put your hand in, take one piece of bread out, lay it on the counter, and you say cut the banana, and they cut it up with the skin on. But you, you've got to have every little step spoken for. So essentially we need to iterate on the product at a faster rate. So the cap raise needs to grow the team to do that. Um, I mentioned um, there's... Um, like a very HR component to the software. We get time and time again asking for a time sheeting um, feature and functionality so we can push for that new addition. Um, not to mention the customer service side of things. Yeah, lots of lots of growth in, in servicing our client base as well. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> the, the next chapter is to get to more people and grow the product to to be the most amazing it can be. Katie, out of interest, how do you focus locally and globally at the same time? Obviously, your your primary market is Australia um, Mm -hmm. and no doubt you'll want to see the business have more of an impact here. Mm -hmm. Manage that distinction between focusing on core business and also focusing on sort of new markets. I've always been told something has to be done a certain way. And if you tell me that, I'll try and do it differently. I think that's, again, persistence, as you call it, not stubbornness. Um, People suggested to me that a software company can't be globally focused if you don't have footprint in that region. Uh, We, from my marketing background, I decided to challenge that by putting out a digital campaign for what I called the early adopters earlier. Some people that are looking for a system, we're not opposed to just jumping online now and looking looking for something. So we get our global interests through digital um, and then we call them and just like we call our Australian clients and help them through the process and, and get set up. So 
it's a slower, like it's, it's, I don't think the US is at our level now when it comes to safety awareness because they don't have that compliance um, uh, big stick from the government bodies, um, but they are slowly coming in. The UK is much more savvy um, and looking, looking for a solution. We um, tend to sort of use Australia as our practice space and then push it out into other regions and if it sticks, fantastic. Um, I like to employ everybody here. I know I spoke about South Korea, but our South Korean team is actually um, a mechanic off the uh, Holden line who decided to take, take a pivot into software development and his wife um, looking for a, a new place to live. And um, so I think creating jobs here in Australia is a big thing for me and I think we can service the globe from here. Brilliant. And so how do you distinguish yourself or what sets Safe Ag Systems apart as an employer? How do you how do you go about mm. finding and retaining talent and keeping culture um, as you want as you want it as a business? I think that's something I've had exposure to throughout all of uh, my my upbringing with mum's business in the farm. Um, it's how you treat people. Um, if you create a culture that people uh, are thriving in, they've got to be challenged. I think some people think of too much workload as, as a bad thing. Um, I'm not saying that you pile them up with the mundane tasks. You've got to present them with a problem that they can solve. Um, so, uh, like startup worlds are very fast-paced. Um, you give them rope to, to uh, put ideas forward, fail quickly and pull back. Um, I think that's something the farming community could probably learn from a lot too. There's um, a lot of talk about value adding uh, within agricultural businesses. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be something that's super thought out, super planned. You could try something on a smaller scale and that's what we call the MVP, whether it's you do your own packaging or sell in a different spot. Like everything can be tried and failed um, without sort of it bringing down the rest of the company. Um, I always let everyone have their, their moment to bring an idea or um, challenge me. I love to be challenged. <laughs> um, tell me that you think your idea is shit. I'll listen. Um, yeah, I think if you've got the team and they rally and they give a shit about what they do, you'll retain and you'll also grow. You'll attract more people without a doubt. Um, I've heard people from our client base say that using SafeX systems has made them more of an attractive workplace because it's showing that they give a shit about their workers, um, about their safety um, and their well-being. Yeah, great comment. So I'm mindful of time. Um, just a couple of questions to finish off if I could. Mm -hmm. What would you say to someone who has a startup? idea or has launched into a new entrepreneurial project maybe as a side hustle to their farm um, yeah. what advice would you have to them um, you know, in their early stages of, of getting an idea and, and making it commercial absolutely there's there's lots of great programs out there I'm not sure if you've heard of um, farmers to founders or founders to farmers um, they give that sort of early stage assistance on how to how to bring things to fruition. Um, the other big piece of advice is, is don't create for a long time. 
create for a short time and get it out there for feedback. That iteration, that feedback from your potential commercial market is key. Um, And don't be afraid to, like I, I know there's been a stigma of the startup community using farmers as a practice ground and, um, test bunnies for a long time. I think we're past that. You can, you need to be able to have it, um, like really identify the problem that you're trying to solve and tell and find that person that has that problem. They're the people that need to give you the feedback and throw it out to the wind. Um, the side hustle is, is a hard path because evenings are late, uh, stress is high, um, I wouldn't say don't do it because if you've got it in you, you've just got to get it out. Otherwise, you'll always regret it. Regret it. Um, yeah, just make sure you've got a real problem to solve, not just your problem, but lots of people's problems. <laughs> I love that. Um, which speaks to my second question. I, I make the observation, Katie, that so many people spend so much time perfecting the business or the product that they mm-hmm. have and they spend so much time you know, getting it right and tinkering and tweaking before they go to market. Mm-hmm. I love that book and you may have read it. It sounds like you might have the lean, <laughs> yeah. you have the lean startup. So for those of you that are doing <laughs> entrepreneurial side hustle um, and trying to get something going as a, a complementary revenue stream to your farm business, the lean startup's a great book. It talks about as Katie has, creating a minimum viable product, getting to market quickly and then getting feedback, adapting and then launching again. And, you know, I think think Safe Ag Systems is such a great example of that. Um, To people who have the idea and have been polishing it for a while and haven't actually put it out there um, and are scared, if you like, about Mm. the feedback that might be coming their way, um, how can you encourage them just to get it out there and be open to that feedback and 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 let failure be their friend? That's very daunting. Like it's it's something you put your heart and soul into, and the idea of getting it shut down. But that feedback, while it might like if if the product wasn't fit for purpose and you do get it out there, um, in that feedback loop, you might get such a piece of gold information, which means you pivot slightly or you, you, you've realised your market's not the market you thought it would be. It would have to be sort of translated into a different industry. Um, but if you sit on it, you'll never know. So you need to get it out there and, and don't pour your money into it. Get that feedback first. And when you're talking about feedback, it's not only whether the solution is the right fit for purpose. It's also like, what is the price point of this? What is the the pricing model? Like, is it subscription or is it, do I have hardware involved? What are the costs involved with that? You've got to do your numbers on the business, um, your unit costs um, before you sort of give it the tick as well. Because if it's the most amazing solution for a problem that exists but it's too costly, um, then you've got another hurdle you've got to get over. Yeah. Perfect. Katie, it is amazing to hear what you've achieved over the last seven years, the team you've assembled, but I think for me most importantly the impact you're having on over 15,000 farming families or farm businesses across mm-hmm. Australia and overseas. It's it's mm-hmm. a remarkable Australian entrepreneur or agri-entrepreneur <laughs> story. Um, I love sharing these um, and it is so exciting to hear 
um, that with that capital raise and, and all that can come from that, that your expansion might accelerate and that the impact that you continue to have might continue to grow even more quickly. Um, congratulations. I think it's, I think you said this right at the start, that when you're in the thick of it, you might not see the challenges or you might not see just how good it is, but I think you can be incredibly proud of the team you've assembled and what you've achieved and all the best for a bright future. Oh, thanks very much, Jerry. Very, very kind words. I think I do need to stop and take a take a breath every now and again. Um, can't have done it without my team, so I have to put kudos to them and and Mum's uh, light bulb moment many years ago. <laughs> really appreciate the, the conversation. It's been fun. Isn't it amazing what can come from a small idea? Yeah, massive. Let's change the industry. Katie, great to connect. Thanks for sharing your story. Thank you very much for your openness and, and absolutely thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Talk soon. Another great conversation with a great Australian entrepreneur. Um, it, there are just so many amazing stories out there, aren't there? But, gosh, when you think about Safe Bag Systems, a platform supporting 15,000 farmers around the world, 25 staff based in Adelaide, seven years old as a family business. Um, and the complexity of the programming that sits behind that simple app and what they do, um, the way in which they've managed to make safety or their app solve a safety problem while helping farming families communicate and navigate day-to-day -day operations more efficiently. I think it's really clever and it is unique. Um, jump onto their website, safeagsystems.com, and if you um, want to learn more, we recommend them. They're, they're great at what they do and they are solving a real problem and helping farmers get safety and systems into their business that can help their teams, as we heard, um, and uh, the support that SafeAg Systems offer as you get about implementing is um, is really positive as well. Katie, really appreciate your openness and your willingness to share your backstory and um, really enjoyed connecting with you. Thank you for your time. I hope that's been valuable. And for any of you that are out there thinking about or in the early stages of an entrepreneur startup, there are some pretty compelling tips in that conversation. And um, again, I recommend the book, The Lean Startup, to help you on your way. Um, take care, everyone. Look forward to catching up again in coming weeks. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Profitable Farmer podcast by Farm Owners Academy. If you're new to this show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a long-time listener, let your friends know about us or come continue the conversation in the Profitable Farmer Facebook group. All the best as you grow your business and create your freedom farm. Until next time, keep being incredible.